Well, if you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to Matthew 12. We're going to start in verse 7. Tonight we're going to look at some historical things and some uh, things about uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians, things that we always need to be aware of. You know, the same evils keep raising their head. You know, if you look about every 50 years or so, the same kind of thing will raise up again. And you have to kind of swat it down, you know, and then you wait about 50 years and, you know, here it comes again. And you have to kind of swat it down. Uh, Our country has a history of that. And, of course, uh, you know, some of the old heresies, Uh, In the church, in the early church, in the medieval church, you know, those things uh, come around again, don't they, Ross? Every once in a while, they come back up, and uh, we need to be aware. So tonight, I want to talk about a couple of those. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not a sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, Jesus here, this is kind of a continuation of last week. This is a a talk about the Sabbath. Uh, The Pharisees were all wrong about that. They had written up their own rules that they thought were as important as Holy Scripture. And Jesus is pointing that out to them. He is teaching them, but they don't want to learn. He is preaching to them, but they don't want to hear. And uh, tonight, uh, that's that's what we're looking at. Uh, Jesus' point regarding the Sabbath is that the observance was never meant to restrict acts of mercy. That's always appropriate. The Lord wants mercy no matter what we're doing. No matter if it's Sunday or Christmas morning or Easter, whatever it is. You know, if there's somebody in severe need, you don't want to walk by on the other side of the road and say, no, no, I've got something i got to do. You know, we need to have a compassionate heart. We need to have mercy uh, in, our, in our lives. Uh, the Pharisees would have understood this. If they had honored the scripture like they said they did, you know, they would say, you know, we believe in the scripture, but then they added, you know, so many of these rules and laws, the Talmud, they added so many things in addition to what uh, scripture says. If they had known what the Lord meant when he said, I desire compassion, not a sacrifice, they would have not condemned the innocent uh, for supposedly breaking the Sabbath. Uh, That one truth alone, a quotation uh, of but half of one verse from the book of Hosea. Now look in the margin of your Bible. Does it say Hosea 6-6? Yeah. Uh, Well, this is a quote from that uh, that Jesus is saying. You know, the the Pharisees were trying to pass themselves off as as know-it-alls. They wanted to say basically to the populace, you know, we know everything about the Word of God. You don't know anything, we know everything. And so just listen to us. 
We've got all the truth. Well, you know, Jesus is teaching them. Jesus is saying, hey, do you, do you know about Hosea 6.6? 6? That's what he's doing here. He's saying, do you remember that? And, of course, uh, they didn't. This, this would have been sufficient to teach the Pharisees and any sincere Jew what God's primary desire was uh, in the passage. You know, a lot of us... Uh, do eisegesis. Eisegesis is where we pull a verse from over here and a verse from over there and a verse from over there and we build those verses together to make the point that we want to make. Exegesis is where you take a section of scripture and you go right through it. You get the, the not only the historical context but the theological context. And that's the best way that you understand you know, what the Lord is trying to say to you. Those are both very important. A sacrifice was never, uh, was never more than symbolic, a means pointing to God's gracious and future provision of what no man and certainly no animal could provide, talking about the crucifixion of our Lord. Observing the Sabbath was a kind of sacrifice, a, a symbolic service, if you will, to the Lord in obedience to his command. It was a reminder of God's completion of creation and a shadow of the perfect rest that he gives to the redeemed of the Lord. Now there's going to come a time when we're going to be in glory and we're not going to be in a hurry. I got got some amens on that. Isn't that wonderful? That we're going to be in a place and a time when we're not in a hurry. You know, one of the things that really irritates me, and I'm sure it irritates you, is when I'm talking to somebody and they're, they're kind of looking over your shoulder, uh, you know, to see if there's, you know, something else that they need to be doing or somebody else that they need to see. You know, every once in a while I'm talking to somebody and I see somebody walking by that I've got to talk to on that particular day. And so I do that every once in a while, and I, I want to just say I apologize, I apologize, but I've got to talk to him or her, and, and I do that. But it's very, very irritating when you're talking to somebody and they're not paying attention to what you're saying. You know, they're looking beyond you uh, to something else. Well, Jesus is talking about this time in salvation in heaven when we have all the time in the world, we'll be there for 10 billion years. That's a whole lot and more, of course. Even under the old covenant that required it, Sabbath observance was not a substitute for the heart righteousness and compassion. Compassion, that's the key word, that characterized God's faithful children. God is merciful in every situation, and he commands his people to be merciful. He wants us to be merciful. You know, they're teaching those ISIS children to kill people. Have you seen that in the paper? They're teaching 10-year-olds to kill people. They give them a knife, and they say, go right over there and and reach around that man's neck and, and cut his neck right in the middle, kill him. 
They're teaching the children to do that. I saw that on TV. I just couldn't believe it. You know, um, we're, we're not of that ilk. That's something totally different than what Christians believe or practice. You know, I violently disagree with some things that other groups say and do. But, you know, if they're kind of minding their own business and they're not, you know, they're not killing people, I don't run over and cuss at them. Uh, You know, I leave them alone. I try maybe sometimes to witness to them. God wants us to have compassion. And if we have compassion, it will lead a lot of people to the Lord. It'll help a lot of people. It'll touch a lot of hearts. You know, what you do in that vein will be remembered forever. And it, it of course, is important. God sometimes sets aside his laws for the sake of mercy, for acts of compassion. If he did not, then none of us would be saved. None of us would have ever been born because Adam and Eve, who sinned in the garden, would have been killed. If God hadn't acted with compassion, we wouldn't even be here. You know, we've got to kind of think back and put some of these things in historical context. Not only that, God has always shown mercy in enforcing the temporal penalties for breaking his laws. God doesn't want us to suffer. God doesn't want us to cry all the time. God doesn't want us to be down in the mouth. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to look ahead to the promises being fulfilled that assure our place in glory with the Heavenly Father. The Lord wants us to have real joy in our hearts. The Lord's desire is not to condemn men for sin, but to save them from sin pull them out of sin, and to bring them to a higher standard of living and understanding about the Word of God. He not only uh, condemns those uh, who will not have mercy, uh, but he tries to teach them a better way. The Sabbath was the Lord's special day under the Old Covenant, as all of you know. A faithful Jew would have been especially concerned to follow his Lord's example of compassion on that day. That was a day for compassion. But because the Pharisees and most other Jews were far from God, they were also far from understanding his nature and his will. Jesus' instruction about the Sabbath here is revolutionary. Now, as you know, the Old Testament and New Testament are different. We don't go by the Jewish food laws anymore. We don't go by that. And, uh, you know, we all need to understand that. Uh, there's, there's been a change. God's purpose for the Sabbath uh, indicted the Pharisees' unbelief and hardness of heart. They were true violators of the Sabbath because they invalidated the word of God for the sake of Of what? Of their tradition, of what they thought. 
They put what they thought above what God had uh, told them in the Old Testament. And that's a terrible, terrible sin, but the Pharisees wouldn't hear it. They didn't want to learn anything else. They thought they already knew everything. You know, it's real hard to teach somebody that thinks they know everything. Have you ever, have you ever tried that? They did not refuse to do acts of mercy because of their devotion to God's law, but because of their lack of compassion. They didn't have compassion. They really didn't like people. You know, I hate to say this, but I know it's true. There are a lot of people in ministry that really don't like people. You know, some people... Uh, what you want to do is keep them in a room way in the back somewhere. And when it's time for them to come out and sing, you know, they come out and sing. And then you want to get them back in that back room just as soon as you possibly can. You know, sometimes preachers are like that. You know, they really don't like people. You know, they, they, want to, they need really to stay in the back somewhere. And then when it's time for them to preach, they need to walk in from the back and come up here and preach and then very, very quickly get back uh, to the back room. Have you ever known anybody like that? I see some people nodding their head. <laughs> you know, I've known some people like that. And it's, it's a terrible, uh, sad, sad thing, but it's true. And that's the way the Pharisees were. They, they had a lack of compassion. They didn't care about the people at all. They cared about themselves and what they wanted and the rules that they wanted the people to go by. To substantiate his authority for saying what he had just said, Jesus added, now here, here's the line that is the line of demarcation. This is the line that is critical in the history of Christendom. Jesus said, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, when he said that, bells went off. You know, the, the Pharisees could not believe it. Here is this upstart Jewish rabbi who is saying that he, he is the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, that was like me saying, uh, where is that thing? Is that a window right there? That, that used to be a window, wasn't it, right there? That would be like me saying, okay, in just a minute, I'm going to go up through the window. I'm just going to kind of fly up through that window right there. And everybody here would think, well, our pastor has totally lost it. He is out of his mind. You know, when Jesus said, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, you know, everybody that was standing there, you know, those people that he had healed, they probably believed it. They probably said, well, he's the Messiah. But that is not what the Pharisees said. That's not what the scribes said. This was the... This was the crossing point right here, right here. That statement rendered the Pharisees speechless. What he implied when he said earlier, something greater than the temple. You remember 
uh, I can't remember if that was last week or the week before I said that. Uh, you know, Jesus said something greater than the temple in 12.6. That must have been last week. Uh, he now makes unambiguous. Jesus stood before them and claimed that he was greater than God's temple. He was greater than God's Sabbath. That he, in fact, was God. The Son of Man, the divine Messiah whom the temple honored and whom the Sabbath served. The Sabbath served him. Just the opposite of everything that the Pharisees thought, preached, and taught in their schools. Because the Lord of the Sabbath had come, the New Testament does not require Sabbath observance but rather allows freedom as to whether or not any day is honored above other days. The only requirement is that whatever position is taken is taken for the purpose of glorifying the Lord. From the days of the early church, now if you want to look this up, it's in Acts 27. Acts 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 16, 2, if you want to look it up. Christians have set aside... Sunday, uh, the first day of the week, as a special day. And, of course, you know why we set aside that day. It's a day of worship, a day of fellowship, a day of offerings, because that was the day our Lord was raised from the dead. There was Good Friday. There was Easter morning. Um. Let's look at uh, verse 9. And departing from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man with a withered hand. And they questioned Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, in order that they might accuse him? And Jesus said to them, What man shall uh, there be among you who shall have one sheep, if he falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. How much more value then is it is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand and it was restored to normal like the other. Now, I don't know exactly what a withered hand, what that means. My guess is that it was gnarled and smaller. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that that would be what it would be? Well, it says that Jesus healed it and it became like his other hand. So that hand, you know, these fingers that had been all gnarled, they, you know, gradually opened. And, and the, the lack, maybe, of muscle tissue and uh, all the stuff, I don't know what you call all those things in your fingers, the tendons or ligaments or whatever it is, all of those things came back right in front of them. I mean, here it is. He holds up his hand, it looks just like his other hand. Now, you can imagine how much the Pharisees hated that. 
I mean, they just went berserko over that. Without waiting for response from the Pharisees, Jesus immediately went to the synagogue. He walked right in. Uh, he, he gave a living illustration of the true meaning of the Sabbath observance, of his authority over both man and the Sabbath. When the Pharisees saw a man with a withered hand, they uh, thought, boy, we've, we've got a great trap here for Jesus. We're going to trap him. Completely unaffected by Jesus' reminder from the scripture that God desires compassion and not a sacrifice. Jesus would make the sacrifice. They question him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Their only purpose in listening to anything that Jesus said or anything that Jesus did, watching that, was that they might catch something that they could accuse him with. They were not looking for the truth, but for a way to dispose of this man that was literally driving them crazy. Everybody was listening to him rather than to them. The fact that they asked Jesus this question indicates that they acknowledged that he could heal people. You know, they knew he could do it. He'd been doing it all over the countryside. They knew he could do it. They couldn't respond to that. They couldn't say, oh, no, you didn't do it. You know, it was very obvious that he did do it. Because his miraculous power was so indisputable, Jesus' opponents tried to undercut the significance of it by means of accusing him of casting out demons, doing healings by the power of Satan. They didn't want to say it was of the power of God. So, you know, they couldn't think up anything else. So they said, well, he's doing this by the power of Satan, which, of course, was a lie. His, His miracles made all of them more determined to destroy him. That was the that was the template. Destroy him any way we can. Destroy him. That's what we want to do. The Pharisees chose the man with the withered hand to test Jesus because this was not a life and death issue. Their rules said that you could only do medical stuff if it was a life and death issue. You couldn't just help somebody's hand. You know, you couldn't do that. That would be against the law to do that on the Sabbath. The illustration of the sheep that falls into a pit on the Sabbath dealt with an economic justification for for doing things on the Sabbath. You know, if they had one sheep and it fell into a hole, they'd get it out right away, even if it was on the Sabbath, and make no bones about it. They'd go ahead and do that. Um, The Lord, therefore, declared, of how much more value, then, is a man than a sheep? I mean, you know, if you can save the sheep, for crying out loud, shouldn't you be able to save the man? One of the most obvious tragedies of Hinduism is its disregard for human welfare in the name of human welfare. A beggar is not giving, given any food in those lands. Did you know that? If somebody's starving, nobody gives them food because they think that will upset their karma. They'll just let them die right there. 
because that's the only way they think that they can come back at a higher level in creation. So they just let them die. That's their plan. Don't mess up with what's going on. Don't uh, prevent him from suffering in any way. Just let him suffer. Let him die. A fly is never killed in those lands because it is the reincarnation of some unfortunate human being of past ages. Rats are not killed for the very same reason. They're allowed to eat and to contaminate food. They go in and contaminate, you know, a whole area of food that might kill a lot of people. They do all that without any interference whatsoever. Cows are considered sacred and are are given food when somebody right beside the cow is starving to death. They give it to the cow because the cow is sacred. This person is in the process of being raised to a new level in reincarnation. In a similar way, the Pharisees despised other human beings, showing more compassion for a sheep than for a crippled man, who was even a fellow Jew. He was a Jew, and they still still didn't care. The Lord, therefore, answered the question himself. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. No doubt putting strong emphasis on the word is. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. At that point, Jesus' uh, righteous anger confronted their unrighteous anger. And after looking around at them in anger, Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. Jesus touched it, healed it. It was restored just like the other. Jesus not only approved of doing good on the Sabbath, he did good on the Sabbath. And of course, this was another plank in the case against him that the Pharisees would use to come to the crucifixion. That's what they wanted to do. That was their goal. Well, let's look at one more verse. Look at 14. But the Pharisees went out and counseled together against Jesus as to how they might destroy him. When he said he was Lord of the Sabbath, you know, they realized we got to get with it. We got to get rid of this guy. He's, he's uh, getting worse and worse and worse. We got to get rid of him right away. Neither the power of Jesus' argument nor the power of his miracles Move their hearts. Didn't, didn't bother them at all that Jesus had done these good things. They were against him. Whatever uh, he had done that was good, they just dismissed that. They refused to be convinced. Jesus had indisputably connected the heart of God with benevolence and kindness and mercy and goodness and compassion. And they didn't have any of those characteristics. That wasn't their makeup. They were judgmental legalists. That's what they were. And they didn't want any of this compassion stuff. If Pharisees uh, were around, they would have nothing to do with what Jesus was about. They weren't supporting him in any way. They were against him. They were trying to find a way to kill him. Their trust was in tradition. 
And in their own words, what they said was more important than anything else. And neither God's word nor God's son could change them in any way. From Mark, the, we learn, you know, the corollary gospel, we, we learn that the Pharisees were so determined to destroy Jesus at any cost, they enlisted the help of their arch enemies, the Herodians. Now, the Herodians were not even religious people. They were secular people. They were people that followed Herod. Uh, they, you know, Herod was the ruler in the area. They followed Herod. Uh, they were irreligious. They were a worldly political party. The half-Jew Adamedian king who had, brought, who had bought his title from Rome, they were his supporters. They were behind him. The Herodians were the antithesis of the Pharisees in almost every way. They couldn't have been farther apart. The fact that the Pharisees sought to join forces with them reveals how desperate they were to get rid of Jesus. The religious legalists joined forces with the secular libertarians to destroy an enemy they considered more dangerous than each other. Despite their differences, those two groups had the same spiritual orientation. They both disregarded totally God's word in favor of their own ideas. And they both, of course, rejected God's son. Well, tonight, you know, we, we need to study things like this in order to know where we're coming from. And we need to study things that help us not to veer back into those paths that folks have gone before that have turned out to be totally wrong. We don't want to become legalists. We obviously don't want to become Hindus. We don't want to become Pharisees. We don't want to become like the scribes. We don't want to be like the Sadducees. We don't want to be like the Essenes. We don't want to be like those people. We want to be like Jesus. That's the goal. Be like Jesus. Be compassionate and loving and caring. That's what we want to do. Tonight, uh, as always, we want to have a time of invitation. We want to invite anyone that's in the house that has never trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior to do that. If there's anybody in the house that would like to come and join our church, we pray that you would. The doors of the church are wide open. We want you to come. We'll try and be good brothers and sisters to you. I know it sounds a little hokey, but I call people brother and sister all the time. And I'm going to keep on doing it for the rest of my life. I don't care what anybody says. You know, biblically, I'm right. And, uh, and I'm going to keep doing it. If we have any brothers and sisters here tonight that want to come and place their life right in the center of God's will, we want to support that with everything that we have to support it with. We're going to sing, we're going to pray, and hopefully uh, folks will take a stand for Jesus. Let's stand together as we sing.